0: And welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. Oh, hi. I'm <laughs> Stephen Hilger. I didn't want to be there. Welcome to the show. It's thank uh, you for having me. We, uh, oh, that yeah, right, wasn't to me. Yeah, no, that was to you. <laughs> okay, my special guest, hi. Stephen Hilger. I am so excited to record this episode. We have about four billion things to talk about, which is yeah. fun. Uh, one of which. Is a return to Scarlet Nexus, which is going to be the last segment of the day. But uh, I've played so much of that game since we last recorded. It's so good.
1: Yeah, same, man. So just for context, last week we did like a, or at least I I had picked it up and I think I was like 10 hours in. So I'm basically, I was as far into Kasane's story as you are now into Yubito's. There are two protagonists who have like a different uh, perspective on the same story I'm now like right at the end of Kasane. There are 12 chapters and I'm on the end of chapter 10 and the chapter's name is like the final step. So I'm like, I get it. I'm near the end. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we'll talk more about that at the end. I don't think we'll be like spoiler centric, but we'll probably go a little bit more into some details. So if you want like a spoiler free, just like take on the game itself, at least from my end, that's last week. And this time we'll be, I like how we split it like the protagonist by accident (laughs) with our time with. The game, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. And I think we may be doing a bonus about it this month. We were between a couple games, and I think we're pretty much decided that that would just make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna want to finish this game. Is kind of yeah. where I'm at. Um, I, I really want to put the time into it. Um, so anyway, that, that's coming later. We'll talk about Scarlet Nexus. Uh, there, there's so much stuff, man. There's so much stuff. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even gonna talk about the New York Times crossword puzzle, which is. Uh, <laughs> My game of the year so far.
1: Can you imagine if that? <laughs> that would be that would be great. I would be very <laughs> impressed if you if you had the gall to do that. Uh, I can't wait to draw a crossword puzzle as the episode art for the year. <laughs> <laughs> like hanging out with Kasane,
0: yeah, and racket and Clank. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds fun. Anyway, I've been doing the crossword a lot, but big game release of the week which like yeah, <laughs> uh, as, as usual uh you know the show is not beholden to new games like that we, we just kind of play whatever but like man was this game on my list of things that I really 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 wanted to play this year uh yeah. it's Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin which is the second Monster Hunter game to be released in the year of our Lord 2021 which is shocking I was very much of the opinion that this game was gonna hit in a way that the first one didn't. I think, like, in terms of popularity. And I don't know if that's true. But I do know that this game had like lofty expectations for me and has managed to exceed most of them in ways I wasn't expecting. I think it might be a hard game to talk about, but I'm excited to do so anyway, because I also am really loving this game. I have found that this year has become overwhelming with of good shit. Like I still haven't finished Chicory. I still want to do that. Scarlet Nexus is pulling a lot of my time. Monster Hunter Stories 2 is pulling a lot of my time. There's just a lot of good stuff. I actually went and made like a goatee top 10 list yesterday because I was like, could I just do that? currently can i just go and make a top 10 and like have a top 10 already and the answer was yes like there are 10 games that i would say are like goatee level already and uh this this is another contender for me already in the you know not so short, but short enough amount of time I put into it.
1: Yeah, I think you're a little farther than me. I also picked up Monster Hunter Stories 2. For me, this me getting this game on release is just like the end result of marketing working. Cause like <laughs> if you if you watched like an eighth of E3, you saw eight trailers yeah. for Monster Hunter 2 or Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin. Yeah. Um I was really curious about it. I, I liked the art style, They're going for a very like Breath of the Wild look, which again feels like kind of a tired uh market marketing bullet point at this at this point in time but it does look nice like the character design and everything so yeah i got it uh i i heard from you about the first monster hunter stories which is a spin-off of the overall series that's a kind of pokemon-esque so i was like okay i feel like what i go to monster hunter for is is pretty specifically like uh unique to that series but what i also love about it and what we talked a lot about uh, in our episode about Rise in particular is just like the setting and the world they built is so endearing that I just love being there. Yeah. So it's was like I'm very interested to see a spin-off that that is like kind of almost laser focused on that where it's like what is the spin-off of Monster Hunter look like that's more about like being part of the world and exploring than necessarily
0: fighting. Yeah just like narrative in general right because right. I would say the weakest part of the entire like mainline Monster Hunter franchise has just been story or lack thereof <laughs> you know? um, Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, this game doesn't really do a no. great job on the story front because again, and I feel like this is it's like every time they're like, we're going to tell a story in monster hunter. The story is always the monsters are acting weird. They seem to be attacking us way more than usual. <laughs> it's like, okay, if they do this every time, then maybe that is just what monsters do. They just attack yeah. shit. The T-Rex with wings and like a skull
1: on its head that breathes fire is probably not going to be a good pet. You yeah.
0: Know? Why is the T-Rex attacking me? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? <laughs> (laughs) That's the story every time. Yeah. (laughs) Monsters are acting strange. They want to eat me, (laughs) a person. Yeah. So I, I would say, like, I am about four
1: hours in. So, like, you're a little bit farther than me. I really like this game. I don't know if I love it as much as you do, to be honest. And Mm. that might change the further I get in, but it is really cool. And I would recommend it if you enjoy the, the things we're going to point out. If I had to like pitch what it is versus like, if Monster Hunter, the flagship series is like, sort of like, what if you, uh, had like a cooperative take on like Dark Souls bosses in like a natural environment? Monster Hunter Stories 2 is kind of essentially like a dungeon crawler with sort of like Pokemon SMT mechanics. So the loop of the game is really like there's a dungeon, you go to it, uh, you fight a monster or two, and then you go to the monster's nest and you pick up an egg to bring back to hatch. Now that loop I love. I really, really really like that because I think the combat is really interesting. It's turn-based. And it works like SMT, where you fight alongside the monsters rather than like, you know, you're not like, Anjanoth, use Tail Whip! You know, you're you're Mm -hmm. just sort of drawing a sword next to your monster. But as you fight, you build up like a kinship meter where eventually you can ride on top of your monster and do like a really over-the-top move together. But what's really interesting is like, rather than having sort of like a Pokemon elemental system, there's like sort of like a weapon triangle from Fire Emblem where... You can choose to do a power attack, a speed attack, or a technique attack. I believe speed overpowers power. Yeah. Power overpowers technique and technique speed. Pretty straightforward. It's like easy to grasp, but it's not as simple as like, oh, this is a power monster. I'm going to use speed. Like the monsters can use any kind of attack, but you can kind of tell like, okay, if you're fighting like a raptor, it's probably going to go for speed. But what's really interesting is that you choose your attack, but your monster that's next to you has already chosen an attack that is broadcasting which I think is out of your control. At least it is for me currently. But that also gives you another lens to operate under where you could be like, okay, if me and my monster do the same attack, we actually end up doing like a tag team move. So even if it's not the av- advantageous move to do, it might be worth doing that. And it might be worth taking the chance to see if that can be pulled off successfully. So I found the combat to be like pretty immediately layered and fun and also just like very over the top in a way I wasn't expecting. Like the, the yeah. like limit break moves are like, over-the-top, like, anime, final move kind of stuff. Yeah, the, uh, ba- the battles
0: fun. specifically are the thing that I think are really pulling me through the game. Like, I'm just having so much fun in those battles. I, I'm, like, immediately swept up in the grandeur of it, weirdly, just because, like, yeah. they're so over-the-top, um, and they put so much time into animating just, like, the wildest shit they possibly could, and, and it, re- <laughs> it really pulls it off. And and I had the same kind of fear, I think, going into the first game that, that you might have had, which is like, okay, so there's just this triangle is that like all there is here you know and, and as you said if you're going up against a raptor it's probably going to go for a speed move but like once you get up to like I forget what they're called the the Veloci, prey or the small ones, and the, the Velocidrome is the big one. Um, like the Velocidrome is going to like switch it up more, like it's probably going to go for speed, but every once in a while you'll see it like kind of get angry or whatever. And like maybe it's going to go for a power move or a technical move or something like that. Um, and and I think that that by itself makes things a little bit interesting. There is actually also, uh, like an elemental twinge to that as well Oh, fun. Uh, where some of the monsters will have like higher defense or offense for uh certain elements here and there and you can like swap up your weapons and and your monsters and stuff um it is also worth noting that if you get rarer versions of monsters they will sometimes have extra skills that you can go and select so like if you have a raptor who is like, you know, like a good raptor, I guess. Uh, and it's <laughs> like generally picking a speed move. Like sometimes you can go into the monster selection screen and like uh, change its skill to be like a power move if you need to, if you want to duel up that way. Or alternatively, you you know, because it's like Pokemon, you can have a bunch of monsters with you and you could like swap to whatever monster you want whenever you want, uh, which I think is really nice. The, the combat is like way more in depth than I thought it was going to be, even after, yeah. even after playing the first one. I think I think the second one does a lot of really interesting shit by way of kind of just like figuring out how to include every element of a normal Monster Hunter game into this like yeah absolutely what i yeah. what i've found throughout playing this as much as i have already which is like i'm past where the demo ends like i'm i'm pretty far past that this is monster hunter like this is everything that you would get out of a monster hunter game except for the real time combat like even down to the the weapons individually like each weapon has the same exact skill set that it has in the mainline Monster Hunter games like if you get a great sword you can like charge it up by using certain skills and fill the charge meter and then like use the charge meter just as you would in a real time monster hunter game. If you have a bow, there are different kinds of bows just like in the mainline monster hunter game. Some of them are better for piercing. Some of them are better for like hitting multiple uh, targets at once. Like they really have thought about how to take every single thing and apply it into a turn-based strategy perspective, which I am like blown the fuck away by. I mean, when they first give you a hammer and they're like, you have to use a hammer to break this rock that this monster is holding i was like fucking jimmy neutron brain, brain blast moment like I, I i just couldn't even wrap my head around it and then when i went back to the village and i saw all the weapons that you could build it's like no you can have a hunting horn if you want and just yeah. be the guy that buffs your party but at any moment <laughs> in combat you can press x because you can have three weapons on you at once like it's almost too much but what i love about this game versus like monster hunter rise even is like they have a good tutorial here it's a lot of text don't get me wrong a lot of text yeah. boxes popping up but i know what i'm doing in a way that i didn't without watching youtube <laughs> for any of the other monster hunter games
1: you're right about that absolutely yeah i didn't even make that connection until you just said it but yeah i again this could have been also a tutorial mess because of how much is going on yeah. and it's not i agree that i think the game is like a really interesting interpretation of monster hunter into a turn-based system um i even like how a lot of the Collectible items like a whetstone just raises your crit rate. It's not like you know sharpening your weapon anymore. So, yeah. like, I like all that. I think where the game is losing me a little bit weirdly is in the environments and mobility which Hmm. are two things that I think are key to my enjoyment of Monster Hunter like and that's not something I was really expecting like I didn't really expect this game to be on the same level as Monster Hunter I don't even really know what the connection was going to be other than like the monsters would appear and kind of like a okay like SMT will always have these demons like a Monster Hunter game be it a flagship series or stories will have like a Kula Yaku or an Anjanath or whatever. I really like that the, like, Pikachu is the cool... Is it Kuluyaku? Yeah. The Kuluyaku, the, like, chicken raptor that holds a rock is, like, (laughs) your starter, Yeah, which is so funny. I think it's really, like, as a fan of the series, like, being able to, like ride around on the monsters and, uh, the fact that all the monsters have like a ability that lets you like get around. So like the, all the like kind of raptor esque monsters can help you like jump from one place to another. It seems like other monsters will, will help you climb up like vines and stuff. So I really like that the monsters have a function in and out of combat It makes them feel like they're really with you along this journey. Yeah. And the game is focused on like actually like building your bond with them. And like the ultimate ability is like that you trust each other and like Mm -hmm. work together. It's almost the antithesis of the monster hunter games where it's all about just like kill this thing, eat it, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think what is interesting about the plot is that so far the intro is like there's a village of riders that you come from that seem to want to live in harmony with the monsters and like... They'll fight if need be, but they're more interested in, like, raising and working with the monsters. And then there's, like, the hunters who are in, like, you know, gray steel armor. They're like, it's dangerous. Burn it down.
0: Yeah. Um, I love I love that they pit you against hunters. Like, the hunters are the antagonists of the game in a big way.
1: But going back to my point about, like, mobility and the environment, the environments are very pretty. I think it's worth pointing out, as many reviews have noted, that, like, this game it, it performs well on the switch. Like it doesn't feel like there's nothing happening that is getting in the way of my enjoyment, but it does like constantly feel a little framey and yeah. that like, it just feels like it's always about to crash in some way. Yeah. Like it never does, but I just have that like feeling like I'm always like on the tip of my toes. It's and weirdly like in
0: cutscenes ar- more than anything else, which yeah. I'm always surprised by. Just
1: like moving around. It feels like very stiff. And even when you're on a, a monster, like it feels like kind of like tanky almost mm. where like, like, yeah, you know, comparing like, again, I didn't expect it to be like Rise, but like there was an opportunity to have a game that is, you know, so focused on like being a rider and your relationship with the monsters to so not have any like fun with that in the same way that like riding your Palamute in Rise where you're like dashing and like, you know, it's so fun yeah. that I wish this game had like even an ounce of that. It, it seems like a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, there, there are a couple things I think that this game is setting out to do that it just like. Weirdly, ends up uh, contradicting itself on. Like, sure, I, I yeah. think, I think, even in. The bit that you're talking about, about, like, forging a bond with your monsters and, like, raising them and all that kind of stuff. Like, they actually just kind of throw that out the door at a certain point. Because what ends up happening is if you get into the loop of, like, dungeon crawling, picking up eggs, bringing them back, hatching them, and, like, seeing what the stats are and whatever. What ends up happening is you just, like, release your monsters over and over again. Like, every time you get a new monster, just like in Pokemon, they're like, hey, do you want to name this? Like, you know, give it a name and, like raise it and it's going to be yours Isn't that so exciting and then like i don't know an hour later you might find just like a better version of that monster and you don't have enough space in your farm to hold a whole lot i think you can only have like maybe 10 at most at the beginning until you like start upgrading the farm later which takes a currency that's like hard to find It's so like you're not going to do it for like hours like i haven't been able to upgrade that uh, capacity yet which just means that, like, the Kuliyaku that I got at the beginning has been gone and replaced, like, four or five times at this point. <laughs> I have a Kuliyaku that I got, like, way, way, way later, you know? And, like, I named the first two because I was, like, you know, I, I like the idea of, like, naming them and, like, building a bond with them. Um, but at a certain point, it's just, like, you throw them out, you know? Um, So there's this like there's this idea narratively that you are a rider. You live in harmony with the environment. You want to be friend and like be cool with your monsters and stuff. But the game kind of betrays that like mechanically in a lot of ways Uh, beyond just like throwing them out. I mean, even just like going out into the world and like stealing eggs from monster nests like (laughs) feels bad actually you know
1: i i do weirdly though that is my favorite mechanic though because the way oh, that hilarious. works is like yeah yeah you, you have a cat more on him in a second but you have a cat <laughs> companion uh who will like sniff the eggs and be like this one's stinky you you basically want a stinky heavy egg yeah <laughs> i can't believe and, that that's it yeah and 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 it's it's essentially i i saw one review describe it as a free gotcha mechanic which is essentially what it is yeah. it's like but i love the like risk-reward of, like, okay, you're in a nest. Sometimes the monster is either, like, sleeping or is about to come back. And, like, you know, you pick up an egg, the cat tells you how it is. If it's, like, light and doesn't smell, it's probably not a good monster, so you can try again. But you only have so many tries until, like, the monster comes back or the eggs are just, like, run out. Yeah. So that, like, that loop and then seeing what that egg hatches into, that's, like, the reason to play the game. You know, that that is yeah. so fun. And I do think the environments are pretty... But I think because of the performance issues, I mean, this is a compliment and also as a point of criticism where the game constantly feels like kind of GameCube-esque. Mm. In that way, where like, yeah, the, the movement and the like issues with performance, but it's also like, like the color choice and the design of the characters, like really fun. I would say, overall, in terms of the story, I know I'm bouncing around a lot, but the story feels like this was definitely written for a younger audience in mind. I would say, like, yeah, I think anyone can enjoy it, but it really does feel like, okay, this is like directly intended to be for kids yeah. in some ways, yeah. I uh, mean, it's like, fine, but yeah,
0: it's trophy, you know, and like doesn't really tread any new ground. I thought there was some interesting stuff going on with like the the Riders versus Hunters thing. I don't really know how that's going to pan out, uh, but I will say that like where the demo ends, it, just from a narrative perspective is like the revelation that you are the chosen one, which is like all right, I don't need I don't need that, you know. Yeah. I actually
1: liked the low stakes of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm, I'm having, I'm having enough fun just like hanging out, you know? And I, and I, that was the thing I texted you about yesterday or two days ago or whatever is like the game has a very strong focus on pushing you through the story. Like it keeps telling you like, go here, go here, go here, go here. You know, there's always a to-do list on the side of the screen. That's like, here's where you got to go next. Um, There's always like a big navigation point, but really from go, the game is completely open and like you could just go around and like just do this dungeon crawling egg hunting loop that we're talking about, like really whenever you want. And that realization for me happened like an hour and a half in, which really, really increased my enjoyment of this game. And that's that's the thing about it that I'm like kind of back and forth on is like I really like this game for a lot of the reasons that like it is not really focusing on. I yeah. I find this game to be like brutally relaxing. Like it is just the <laughs> most chill yeah. shit. And I I love being in this world and I love raising these monsters and I love hunting for eggs. And I love the combat and and the story that they're pushing me through is like so extremely OK that I find myself yeah. now whenever there's a cutscene just kind of like really tuning out uh, and maybe going back to the New York Times crossword app. Um, <laughs> but that said, I am enjoying that the story is allowing me access to more places with more monsters and letting me see more stuff. You know, uh, you go fight an Anjanath. That's a big, exciting fight really high stakes it's not easy which i was surprised by um it's like a difficult fight kind of skin to your teeth kind of shit you know like constantly switching through monsters constantly swapping your weapons trying to get status effects you know to take the thing down trying to break pieces off of it so it can't continue to shoot you with a fucking fireball like all that stuff is really cool Um, And that's that's where it kind of gets into like, oh, the stuff I like about this game is the stuff that they just ripped right out of Monster Hunter. Like, I really just like going out fighting monsters, getting pieces of them and then crafting them into armor like that. That loop is in this game, like that loop of what you uh, the exact thing you would go do in Monster Hunter Rise is in this game completely but there also is you know this story with like a cartoon cat who sounds like Meowth
1: the cartoon cat is so disturbing to me because <laughs> like the first time you see him you're like oh okay so like this game is a different art style than you know the flagship series yes this this just must be how the palicos who are like the cat moogles kind of yeah um this just must be how they look in this game but then you meet other cats who look like cats so You're yeah. like ew what is this one what is like, this why guy? This? who's this guy I got because yeah. it looks like it looks like he's in like a mascot outfit and then there are also real cats. I'm like, where did this one come from? Yeah. And like every scene with them, he's just like getting his ass kicked and be like, ow, <laughs> why don't you feed me? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, it's so weird because like, that's when it, it's like, okay, this is for kids. But then the combat is like <laughs> SMT level stuff yeah. going on. It's yeah. like very bizarre. Um, you know, and I, again, I think it makes sense that like, uh, I looked this up recently because I remember seeing somewhere that like Monster Hunter was Capcom's best-selling IP, which surprised me. Currently, I think it's their second best. Uh, Resident Evil is number one, and uh, which makes sense because I think like in this kind of recent Capcom renaissance, if you will, yeah, uh, the Resident Evil games and Monster Hunter games have been like unbelievable. I mean, World, yeah. Rise, and even Stories, Th- this game like on its own merit is like, a really good game and it's i think filling a void that like a lot of people want you know there's a lot of like desires to see a pokemon type game like literally evolve like literally change (laughs) and like yeah go in other directions and this is a cool direction to go in i think i really wish they took a lesson from we did the game boy advance episode recently so it's on my mind but weirdly i wish this was more like a swordcraft summon story mm. where like that whole game was like you're a blacksmith you're like in a contest with other blacksmiths yeah you gotta go get better at being a blacksmith and you have an animal companion right uh and that was it I think, I, I imagine the story probably got higher stakes after that, but like, I really found a lot of comfort in that game, like knowing what the loop was and why you were there and kind of writing around that. Whereas I think the, f- the forced kind of like heightened narrative here is like kind of out of place. Like yeah. I, I think the the beats of the story that I enjoy are just like moments between like you and your teacher, like learning more about the world. It's like, I like that character, Kena, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, Your teacher is a fun character. Like the chief is, is fun. Like. I like getting to know, like, the village and, and just sort of, like, knowing my place in the world. But, yeah, like, the fact that my grandpa was named Red and was, like, a legendary rider who's probably going to come back at one point. Like, I don't need to, I don't care. Like, you know, like, that's nothing.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. They started introducing that stuff, and it's really just kind of, like, a plot device to get you to new places. Um, sure. And, and I do I do want to double back on the performance bit. Once you finish the demo story section... Um, which is like, you're the chosen one, whatever, you need to go out on your big adventure. You leave that island that you start on, which I didn't realize. I thought that that island was like all there was going to be, really, you know, and you yeah. just like continue exploring new pieces of that island, maybe, you know, a snow area and a, a, a hot volcano area or whatever. But you leave that island and then it turns out the world is like eight times as big as you thought it was, uh, which, oh, I, wow. which I was like shocked by. I think it's pretty cool. Um, but that is where the performance hits really happen. Because yeah. I I was already like, you know, the, the game's a little framey, but it's not impacting my enjoyment of it at all. It should be mentioned. You and I are playing on the Nintendo Switch. There is a PC version of this game, which I have heard is like flawless. So like if you have the ability to play this on PC, go play it there. Anyway, on the Switch, the second area that you go to post that demo is like brutal. It's like really, yeah. really rocky. In the village, like the second village that you go to, In the open area that you go to after that, it's, like, all really rough. And I'm really hoping that there's some kind of performance patch. Because you and I, we've mentioned this kind of stuff on the show a bunch. It takes a lot for you and I to even call out frame drops and stuff like this.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the number is. I feel like some people are like, oh, it's 30 FPS or whatever. I don't have that frame of knowledge, nor do I even want to. But again, <laughs> if it really stands out, that's something we pointed out. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse.
0: And in this case, one once you it's unfortunate that it's where the demo ends, but once you get past where the demo ends is where it really gets pretty rough. Um and it, and it is starting to impact my enjoyment of the game at this point. Yeah. Which is a bummer. So, you know, it, it's kind of like a tentative recommendation in a way, because I think that this game is doing so much interesting shit. Totally. Yeah, and absolutely. like If you're the kind of person who has always been interested in Monster Hunter, but you didn't really know which game to start with, or you don't have like a group of people who can teach you how to play the game, or you just don't want to watch 10 hours of YouTube videos like this should be the game for you because you really are getting a lot of the same stuff just like in a new package with a different kind of combat.
1: I guess conceptually, yeah, it's like sort of the planning
0: phase and the execution phase. Just the execution is different. obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I just mean yeah. like in terms of that loop of like, I'm going to go hunt a monster. I'm going to do it a whole bunch of times so I can get the pieces I need to make this sword or whatever. Like that's all here and you can get all that from this game. But I do think the performance issues like really do kind of get in the way uh, at like the six or seven hour mark, um, which yeah. is a little bit of a bummer. But I, I will probably play a lot more of it still because I, I do find it so sort of relaxing and, uh, I, you know, I'll probably talk about it again at some point as I get further in.
1: Yeah, I guess my pitch for this game, if you're interested, would be like, this is a great game to, like, play while you're watching something. Like, this is, like, a good, like, podcast yeah. or TV game. Which, yeah. like, it feels like kind of a backhanded compliment because, like, they're going for so many other things. Like, I guess I just sort of, because the marketing was largely the cutscenes, So I was actually <laughs> yeah. expecting it to be, like, more story-centric and more, like more of like almost like a Dragon Quest vibe, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, absolutely not. <laughs> but uh, it's still a great time. And again, I think like the combat is really cool. I think that this spinoff series still has legs. Like I would like to see more from stories as, you know, Monster Hunter continues to do so well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm glad I checked it out and hopefully there's a patch for that. But uh, I would say like, yeah, that's, that's my pitch is like, if you want a good dungeon crawler that has like a fun loop while you're listening or watching to something else, this game's for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of gets back to what we were talking about with um I don't even remember what game it was. Uh, but but this is a game that's like pretty good. It's not great, <laughs> but it's pretty good. And that's yeah. that's enough for me to like have kind of a tentative yeah. recommendation, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I I completely agree.
0: I think we uh I, I also forgot what game it
1: was, but I think we had a conversation about how, like not everything is like the greatest or worst thing ever. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, but yeah, I I definitely think that this game is like worth checking out if anything we said interests
0: you. Yeah. It's very much for me. I'll say that much. I'm, I'm having a really good time with it.
1: I'll I'll add a caveat. I don't think if you are a fan of monster hunter though, you would like necessarily like this game,
0: you know? Yeah. I don't don't know know if if it's one to one. I agree. A lot of the draw of monster hunter is, is the actual combat right is is the real-time combat that's happening there Um, and then the loop that's attached to that right is is like the the crafting loop that that is not here right because it's turn-based i do think that what they've replaced it with is interesting um and and i think where you're going was like you and i are interested in games that are taking chances and like experimenting in a big way and removing that real-time combat from monster hunter and replacing it with turn-based is like a fascinating huge fucking risk uh <laughs> yeah and wanted to see how it paid off and i liked the first one enough of what i played is like just kind of a dip your toe in the water and see how it feels kind of situation that i wanted to take a chance on this one um and it's paying off for me but i i do i do agree with you i don't think it's like if you like monster hunter as a series you're gonna love this game i don't think that that's yeah. the case at all but it is pretty good
1: it does make me want to get back into Rise and just like do an expedition where I pick mushrooms. You know, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what I wanted to do here,
0: and it's what I'll probably end up doing in Rise. Yeah. Anyway, that's Monster Hunter Stories too. Wings of Ruin.
1: That's the end of the story.
0: Close the book on that one. Yeah. I do. I do wish that the story was better. I agree with you because like the, the inciting event of the game is like uh, it's just so uninspired. But <laughs> like I, I don't want, I don't want to be like shitty about it. But like it, no, it, it was just kind it, of a bummer when it was like here i'm I'm actually not even gonna say it out loud just go play the demo the demo is at least at least five hours of video game that you could just go play for free right now and by the end of it you'll know if you like it or not yeah but the inciting event is the last cutscene of the demo
1: yeah and and again i want to stress that like when i say something is for kids like we both did a bonus about ration and clank recently and like that game is largely like for a general audience too but like it's so well done that like anyone can enjoy it. This feels like I'm watching like season one of the Pokemon anime. Yeah, you know, yeah. where it's like Meowth yeah, getting his ass kicked.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was very surprised by the end to find that that entire time that I had spent was a tutorial. I'll say that much. Like I, I was like, oh man, I'm so in the loop already. And I'm, yeah. I'm loving so much of what's happening here mechanically already that I can't believe that that was just teaching me about it, and now I have to like go play the game. That was a cool reveal, I think. Uh, totally. But anyway, that's this, Monster Hunter Stories too. Big I feel like stinky. I feel like we could just keep like going back and like dipping into different pieces of it, but uh, I, I feel like we've said everything that needs to be said about it.
1: This egg stinks. It smells like fucking crap, this and
0: it's big. Egg Do is so it? heavy. God damn it! This egg is stinky. I can't even pick <laughs> this egg up. How, what am I going to do? I'm going to roll this stinky egg out of here <laughs> before this chicken holding a rock wakes up.
1: I want to take his stinkiest egg and get the hell out of here. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. You want to move on? Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. <laughs> Goodbye.
1: Bye. Brendan, we're back and we've got another, as you would say, a moose bouche of uh, content, news, games, uh, life experiences, Dreams. i just got so much
0: shit to talk about <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much this egg smells like crap
1: <laughs> Sorry, I can't, I can't let's let it roll go. it out of here roll it out of here before he wakes up it really is like don't make daddy monster hunter version <laughs> essentially
0: i have not gotten to the point where i have like pulled up eggs too much or have woken up the monster i'll say that much I that pulled did up happen eggs to me in the first game oh it happened to you yeah that's they just,
1: he just goes they're out, we're out
0: not, I Hicks. mean I mean where I mean where the monster shows up oh, or wakes yeah, up. That. Daddy has not woken up. Yeah, yeah. That has not happened to me yet. I also have not woken up Daddy yet.
1: <laughs> but I'd like what to this, what a disturbing board game. His like eyes popped out too. He was like ah <laughs> <laughs> so scary. Uh why don't we talk about our, our uh content here?
0: <laughs> Let's talk about some content. <laughs> content, um, baby. Okay, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with guilty gear? That's a game oh yeah, sure.
1: That's that's a that's a quick one. So uh, I mentioned Guilty Gear Strive, like kind of briefly after it came out. That was like one of my. I just got a PS Five. I got to get this right away. Games, and I played it enough to talk about it. But I've been getting back into it. Uh, I am uh, proud to announce I'm on the seventh floor in a and ranked online play. Um, what does that so, mean? How many floors yeah, are there? Ten. So like kind of wild that like wait so do the you way start works, on one and work your way up to
0: ten? Yes, or vice yeah. versa.
1: Oh shit! You work your way yeah. I'm, uh, the, my floor is called Rain and Blood. So basically, (laughs) uh, and this, I streamed it yesterday and I got to floor seven, like on stream, which is kind of fun. That's exciting. It's, it's actually kind of a cool system. So there are 10 floors. You do like a few matches beforehand to see like where they place you and they'll recommend a floor to you, but anytime you can go into any floor above you. Um, so like if you're floor seven, like I theoretically could go into floor seven through 10, but I can't go to any floors before me. Oh, interesting. which I think okay. is kind of a cool thing. Cause like that way it's okay. If I want to challenge, I can like see what people are like on the 10th floor, which to be honest, I don't quite yet, <laughs> <laughs> but that also means I can't go to like floor
0: one and just like, I don't even want to see daddy.
1: I don't, I don't, it's just daddy. <laughs> I am awake. <laughs> you may may or what? But, uh, yeah, the first floor, uh, I, I can't just go there and, like, fight people who are, like,
0: learning how to play the game. That's good. I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah. So, it's cool. I mean, uh, I I finally feel like I'm getting a better grasp on the game. I mean, my my whole take with fighting games in general and with Guilty Gear is, like, I'm not trying to, like, you know, be, like, a professional player. But I enjoy getting into it and learning it and having fun. As long as it's a fun match, I'm happy. You know, win or lose. Yeah. Like, if it was an interesting match and I have, like, an understanding of what's happening. And I think... What I like about Strive is that it seems to be much easier to grasp what's happening. Like whenever I played Rev Two, uh, which was the last guilty gear game, or really like even Marvel vs. Capcom three back in, you know, the early 2010s, there are sometimes there's some matches where I'm like, this might as well be magic to me. Like I have no idea like what this person is doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know like how you can get to this level. I can't even like move. I'm just like forever at the whim of, of Magneto and Storm right now. So like uh, in Guilty Gear, it's nice to be like, okay, I now know like what this other player is doing. Because one, you had the announcer being like, counter, or whatever. So mm. like, What's happening is kind of being broadcasted. That's helpful. But also, yeah. there are like in-game tutorials that teach you, like, okay, here are like the three types of Roman cancels, and like it's it's delivered in a way that like makes you kind of like make sense of the game. I, it also helps that I have some prior knowledge. Like, it's still a lot, but I do think the onboarding process is easier, even to the point where like when you select a character, it tells you how easy they are to play, um, which is a really nice touch because yeah. like. That's just a good guidance of, okay, like, if I'm learning how to play the game, maybe Zato isn't the move, or Faust. But, like, Kai, the guy who's on the cover of the game, probably pretty easy to play with, and he sure is. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite things about Overwatch, too. Yes. Yeah, similar. I feel like fighting games and, like, you know, any kind of, like, hero-driven game like that, like, I like tutorializing, like, what are the play styles, who's easy to pick up, and who has, like, more of, like, a high-risk, high-reward system going on. I'm playing as May, who I think a lot of people are mad at and want to be nerfed because she summons <laughs> dolphins like constantly and is like a very happy-go-lucky character,
0: which I feel like can get on some people's nerves, but I love her. They don't want her to be nerfed. They want everybody else to be able to summon dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they should do. It's a don't nerf maid, just
1: make everyone else have dolphins. Yeah. Honestly, though, like jokes aside, I feel like that, I tend to prefer, like, buffing everyone else over, like, nerfing a character, you Mm. know? And, like, it's still so early. I don't think there's really any, like, concrete knowledge of, like, who is overpowered or whatever. And Ark, like, knows what they're doing. Like, I'm sure there'll be adjustments, but, like, if there's any team that knows how to make a fighting game, it's them. Yeah. And that's not really stuff, like, unless you're playing constantly, that's stuff you're not going to, like, notice while you're playing. Right. But Maze Dolphins have helped me ascend. I've been riding a dolphin up to the seventh floor, basically. Um... (laughs) her overdrive too she summons a giant whale that just crushes the enemy I love, I, I, I love May's energy because it's like, very on brand for us I was gonna say it's very on brand <laughs> and like and everyone else in the game is like named after like a metal musician from the 80s and is like very serious <laughs> and like is <May's laughs> looks so out of place But I just, I I love what she brings to the table. That has been really fun. I I, I will probably stream that again. It seemed to be a fun game to like show and and share with people. Another thing too, uh, there's a channel. I want to give a shout out to everyone in the Guilty Gear channel and the Discord. Because we've been playing more consistently. Like we'll make a room and like a handful of us will get in some matches. It's been like the ideal environment to play a game like this where everyone is like just there to learn and have fun. Yeah. And it's so hard to find that. Like online, it's usually like very competitive or kind of toxic it's like i'm very grateful for all those people you know who you are to like just have fun with you know play the game and have good matches so if you're looking to have that kind of experience with guilty gear um and i imagine with games in general like the Discord's at Show place but like if you're specifically looking for that with this game like it exists So i, I encourage anyone to like join us and uh suffer the wrath of maze dolphins
0: um, <laughs> yeah that's so good um, yeah. yeah, that video from your stream will be on our YouTube by the time this episode's out. Uh, so you can go, you can go check that out.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. And there's a point where, uh, like when I ascent, you make an online avatar to walk around the, the castle that has 10 floors with, oh, I made a character that kind of looks like me with sunglasses, jorts, high socks, and boxing gloves. I'm ready to fight, but I'm also here to relax. I love that. Yeah. Kind of almost strong bad-esque now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I yell "Trogdor" when I win cuz I'm just so random. How have we how have we made it 146
0: episodes into this <laughs> show without mentioning Strong Bad once?
1: Homestar Runner was a huge deal for me.
0: Yeah. I feel like if I ever went to like a hypnotherapist, they would like that would be the the most like psycho like buried deep into in my cortex thing. <laughs> it's just a, it's just like Strong Bad's face. Come on, Fahoko gods. Yeah, like I that, see you jocking me. Jesus, man. Trying to play like, you know me. That anyway. shit <laughs> molded me like clay.
1: For real. That really was like everyone like online in 2003, you either experienced Homestar or you didn't. It was really like the first divide before Cats 2019 in terms <laughs> of like you have experienced something that will probably never happen again. Yeah. So specifically to that time and place,
0: they have a YouTube channel and every once in a while they update it like once every like two or three years, there will be a new cartoon on there and it blows my mind every time. And it always immediately like trends worldwide on Twitter because people are just like, (laughs) what the (laughs) fuck do you mean there's a new Homestar runner thing? I'm sure they're still good, but I think there's something very special about like that
1: era of the internet, like in the early two thousands where like, Anything could kind of you would actually go to like a singular web page to see what they had to offer. Yeah, and like finding something like that that was like both wholesome and weird was like a very you know once
0: in a lifetime kind of thing. Yeah, checking every day to see if there was a new one. Yeah, yeah, unreal. Uh,
1: I think they did. They updated the Stinko Man game right before like Flash went down. Yeah, basically. Uh, anyway, maybe Homestar Bonus one day. Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, st- Stinko Man Bonus. Stinko Man Bonus. <laughs> um anyway uh oh yeah so guilty gear i think uh has been a lot of fun but we can probably move on that's all i wanted to touch on yeah Uh, i'm for sin oh that avatar i made uh and they like this like concierge invites you to the next floor and he went he had the fucking nerve to be like you are no longer considered average come to the seventh floor and i was like excuse me (laughs) i thought six was inherently above average um but wow yeah the 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 eighth floor is the first floor that is red. So I'm like right on the cusp of like it honestly, seventh floor, I'm like getting my ass kicked half of the time. But I did end that stream against someone who was very challenging with a perfect. And that's like where I end. I'm like, this is I can do it. I belong on the on this floor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. No imposter syndrome here on floor (laughs) seven uh anyway uh you wanted to talk about some other stuff yeah man, man there's so much shit to talk about it's unreal um i will say just a quick loop back to the last episode i have finished my run of tender creature comforts oh uh, cool zero <laughs> it did not go well for me <laughs> i'll yeah, you say that bad much. Ending, right 10 10 very bad dates bad ending Uh, I chose to not go back and try again I just was like you know what the book closes here I tried my hand at tender creature comforts it did not go well for me but I I do want to recommend that game again I mean it is one of the most interesting games I've played this year and I'm going to be thinking about it for a very long time maybe I will go back and do a second run eventually because there are a bunch of characters whose stories I like had just started to kind of see materialize in a way and realize that I needed to actually put more time into it to have like more fulfilling conversations with some of those people. But uh, yeah, all the dates I went on were like disasters, (laughs) like every single uh, one.
1: I also downloaded it after you talked about it because it sounded so fascinating. And I would also recommend it with the caveat of like it's almost too good at, at replicating what it's like to like message anyone online yeah. yeah, that it's kind of started to get to me.
0: That's the thing I had actual like emotional responses yeah. to some of the stuff yeah. that was happening in both good and bad ways and at a certain point I, ha- I I came up against the same wall that you did which was like do I just delete it and move on I'm like good like I experienced this and whatever or do I just like push through and like get to the end because I'm almost there anyway and my answer answer to that was like, am I going to delete this game because it's too good at being the thing it wants to be like I should just (laughs) see it through to the end? And I'm glad I did. Uh, the, The end was was good. And there were like actual plot twists along the way uh, on some of the dates i was on it was fascinating it was a fascinating experience yeah um i just want to recommend that game again it's it's on ios android and uh pc i would still also recommend it and weirdly
1: me deleting it because it was getting to me is like also a story path you know in that game yeah. where it's like the like you said like the ways characters will like you know you'll have some people like i had one like really eccentric guy i think his name was actually guy this, like, buff lion dude was like, You're an earthling, do the earthling thing. I love earthlings, yeah. And at first, he asked me, He's like, This should be easy just to prove you're a real earthling. Some people fake it, and he's like, How many countries are there? Like, you know, and like, kind of actually a little bit challenging trivia that, like, yeah. is embarrassingly challenging. But, um, but I didn't know what the earthling thing was. And he was like, I'll never love again, so that was like. A more like kind of funny thing but a lot of times it's like you'll be talking to
0: someone and like it'll be going well and then you won't hear back for a couple of days and then like like real days suddenly, yeah that's the thing that always it's yeah. like when i get a message from someone i'm like i don't even recognize this person's name and it's like oh my god i last talked to them five days ago yeah and that's just a thing that happens in real life
1: <laughs> there's one thing too like sometimes like because you have to choose like pre-written prompts uh and there was one where like you just—I had someone who I just shared like a, you know, what's up? Not much, like very generic. Yeah. And then the the response is LOL. But when you actually typed it, it was just like paragraphs and paragraphs of like, look, I, I am tired of having these kinds of exchanges online, <laughs> blah, blah blah. And I'm like, I'm not sending this. This is this is like really scary. <laughs> no one
0: needs to read this wall of text. Right. You're just like taking it um, out on this person.
1: The reason I deleted it was because when you have to schedule the dates, you have to like actually choose a time and place, which like and you have to be there. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be there and I'm like I don't know if I'm like willing to give this game like actual like moments in my day yeah. I'm, I'm just very particular about my schedule and that felt like invasive in a way I wasn't comfortable with yeah. and again they're like short it's not a huge deal but like I realized I wasn't enjoying that part of it but again very immersive I kind of just wish you could like as soon as you unlock the ability to schedule just do it then and there while you're playing it why mm-hmm. not you know yeah. I think the the notifications and like the real time communication really work but the planning I think is like a little bit too personal for me Mm, Um, but I I would still recommend it. it's two dollars and it's like one of the most fascinating games I played so
0: yeah as far as the dates go you can also reschedule them like if if you set like a time and place and you're like oh that's not gonna work for me like as as early as like like that day you could wake up and be like oh yeah I'm not gonna be able to do that and then you could reschedule it for later which I had to do a bunch
1: yeah I have like actual anxiety doing that with real people I'm like I don't need a game recreating this yeah (laughs) and again it's another one of
0: those situations like I that also bummed me out like there was actually there was one date that I missed that I was like really bummed about missing because just like the experience with this character had gone through so many different like wild twists that yeah. i was like i like i actually need to be there for this person and it was literally like i was stuck in traffic and i couldn't do it and i was like yeah. oh shit like i i i missed this date and they were like upset and it was like a re- it was a really emotionally brutal and like taxing experience to like have the conversation like i'm so sorry i couldn't make it um, yeah and Again, it's like, that's just the game being very good at what it wants yeah. to be. Uh, and and I, I can't knock it for it because it made me uncomfortable, you know, in a way. Right? Um, oh, yeah. No, it, it's not a criticism. I
1: just wanted to share that because I think other people. might. No, I yeah. know.
0: I mean, that's going to be a thing that a lot of people bump up against. And like that yeah. is yeah. If, if it's going to make you uncomfortable in ways that you are not you don't want to deal with, like then don't do it and like again like you said deleting the app is part of like a legitimate story path I think for that game I I imagine if you talk to any of the developers they would feel the same way about it
1: totally yeah but I'm really glad I checked it out and I would love to see them do more like in the future wait what other game do they work
0: on Twinfold which was like totally unrelated yeah it's like a roguelike puzzle game that I am obsessed with also on iOS (laughs) hell yeah and then a lot of like really kind of like spacey puzzle games that are also on iOS Um, cool yeah Great developer. A lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, if, if Tender doesn't sound like your thing, but you want a good puzzle game, go get Twinfold. I, I will recommend <laughs> that game until the day I die. I love it. Anyway. That's tender. You can go check it out. Creature comforts creature. If comforts. If you don't
1: type that, it will think you just misspell a tender, which and, is like, true. Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. It shows up yeah. like
0: it's like the 10th or 11th thing on the list. <laughs> and you just add in tender. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, believe it or not, I have some news I want to talk about, which is not a thing we usually do on this show, but like, there are just some things that like, I feel like you and I specifically very much need to talk about. Number yeah. one, just to get it out of the way. Cause I, I, I think you'll be interested in this. There was an update from, uh, the developers of final fantasy 16, that they have finished doing the voice work for the English localization specifically. Um, which is like generally from what I have read and seen and whatever is like one of the last things that those teams will do. Um, before they like gear up for release so it still says 2021 I don't believe that really yeah Um, me neither but I am thinking it's going to be like you know either this time next year or like spring next year like a Final Fantasy 7 remake was done I think next year is a safe bet um, but that game is like coming soon which is cool like that it's not a Final Fantasy 15 situation where like it just went on and on and on and on and on for like a decade like they announced this thing and it's like actually coming out soon Um, you know it's being helmed by the guy who like fixed Final Fantasy 14 yeah I I like trust that dude implicitly at this point to turn that game around the way that he did um, and to be able to manage his team the way he did and uh, I'm excited about this game I'm like really excited about it
1: me too I mean it seems very different based on the brief footage we've seen it seems a lot darker than any other Final Fantasy it's funny how both the new Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are going for like an edgier yeah more adult take
0: but not like Hot Topic Dark like that weird spinoff that they're making that they announced at E3 (laughs)
1: No, it's it's like uh, I guess like um, Game of Thrones, dark.
0: Yeah, I downloaded the demo for that. By the way, I, I didn't even talk oh, about the it on the show. Killing Chaos game. Yeah, I downloaded it and then I opened it up and I was like, no, like the menu, yeah. like start, like the start demo button. I was like, I this is not it for me. <laughs> and I deleted it. <laughs> yeah, I. uh I don't have any interest. Um, I'm, it's going to take a lot of convincing to turn me around on that one. Yeah.
1: I'm excited for 16. And I, I'm wondering like what the timeframe is going to be for like FF seven remake part two and 16. Cause like based on like what we know of both, it could, they could happen around the same time. That would be like a I don't think we know scenario. anything about
0: the development of part two, right? Like. That that's got to be like years and years away.
1: I don't know if it's years and years. I feel like it's probably sooner than that. But I think, um, yeah, it's, it's mostly just guessing. But just I think what I'm going off of is like how quickly intermission came out and like the way intermission ends and like the setup for part two just feels like a little bit more concrete than I expected.
0: Yeah, I'm so my concern is that that is, you know, like Kingdom Hearts two to three. You know, like. <laughs> I guess I guess I, I, I'm
1: more optimistic, though, based on just like how well that did and, and the marketing and everything that that will like come out. Like I would maybe maybe not next year, but maybe the year after that. Yeah, it will
0: be like within the next two years. If I, I was I running imagine. Square Enix, I would prioritize that. <laughs> Definitely.
1: You wouldn't prioritize killing chaos and like a gap outfit and, or or the pixel remasters or whatever. Oh, yeah. Square is like in a very weird place. Very it's weird like place. either tens or ones coming out of them right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think 16 definitely has a clearly a dedicated plan for it. Like the thing about 15 is that it started off as a spin-off of 13, 13 so right. Like yeah. There was inherently like an identity crisis with what it was going to be about. This feels like they at least know what it's going to low bar, but they at least know <laughs> what like what the yeah. plan for it is. Right, right, right. So I'm excited. Uh, that that and, and remake part 2, I'm very excited
0: for. Yeah. Whenever they come out. Final fantasy 16 will also not be shown at the Tokyo game show in September, which is worth noting. That was the other piece of that, uh, which again, just makes me think it's going to come next year. It's going to get delayed. Yeah, at some point, that, that feels correct. It feels like they said everything except this game is getting delayed to next year, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I I'd, I'd be happy with if it means that it's still coming out. If it still has a date that soon, that's like way better than I expected. So that's nice.
1: Yeah. The, again, bar is low.
0: Yeah. I wanted to bring that up, uh, first because it wasn't part of the PlayStation state of play, which was, uh, the like e3 adjacent kind of event that we i think were expecting them to announce uh during e3 that ended up not happening and this state of play was like very small uh it was not like an e3 sized event uh i would say it was adjacent to like a more normal non-e3 nintendo direct um in terms of like the kinds of announcements you got it was like a 20 minute focus on Deathloop, which is a game we already know a lot about but there were a couple of things here and there that i thought were good number one just like lost judgment as a sequel to judgment looks fucking yeah. right like i think that's going to be like a sleeper hit this year totally especially like now that they've publicly cemented that you know uh yakuza is going to remain turn-based and that judgment will like carry on the legacy of that real-time combat i think they're going to be a lot more eyes on lost judgment than there were on the first one
1: i agree for
0: old old school yakuza fans who like maybe weren't a fan of like a dragon or like like both you know just like want both um i think lost judgment's gonna be a, a bigger game than uh Maybe even Sega thinks it is, uh, which is exciting. Um, the big one for me, uh, they showed off Sifu, which is you know like a, just an extremely cool looking hand to hand martial arts game that like I think is going to be great. But the big yeah. game for me from the state of play, um, I'm not going to talk about anything else from the state of play except this is Jet, which is that game by Super Brothers um, who made Sword and Sorcery way, way, way back when, like 2010, 2011. It was the first time we've seen really what Jet is as a video game um and it's like fascinating i mean they they said it was going to be like a pretty like relaxed game but a lot of the environments look pretty hardcore it reminds me a lot strangely of interstellar which is a movie i'm not like a huge fan of but i like the idea of living in it and like experiencing it firsthand yeah. um but apparently like just revolves around you and a crew of uh astronauts and scientists like just trying to explore new lands um it has kind of uh with without the horror stuff obviously but it has kind of an alien prometheus adjacent vibe where it's like you're looking for new places to like colonize because earth is like fucked you know so like you are kind of like an arc in a way uh it's it's got a really like interesting collection of concepts that they're kind of bundling together and it's been what uh, i guess over a decade since sword and sorcery came out and this is the second game that they've decided to make like i'm just all in on it really yeah Uh, like to take this long away there's a really great interview i think it was on waypoint with patrick klepek with one of the founders of super brothers who just kind of talked about what life was like after that game came out after sword and sorcery came out and like why it's taken this long to come back and it was essentially like you know you make a bunch of money and you decide like why do i need to jump into the next thing like why why not just like go live in a cabin in the woods for a while and just like experience life and like if an idea comes an idea comes which i'm very much in favor of like only make the game if the idea is good and that seems to be what's going on with jet so i'm i'm just amped about it i think it's like top of the top games i'm looking forward to this year um, yeah that's awesome yeah so that's coming
1: when do, do we know when it's coming out
0: um no i don't think there's a specific date on it just as 2021 still but it's july so it's probably you know towards the end of the year or something uh, yeah but expect me to talk about that the last thing i want to talk about news wise was the oled nintendo <laughs> switch model which like i don't think we need to go into the you know we're recording this a whole week it's coming out like two weeks after people have already talked about it and analyzed it to death I I just think it's a very fascinating experience to like watch the way the internet like devolved and then like built itself back up in terms of the announcement for this just because like there were a lot of Bloomberg reports that were like hey there's a new Nintendo Switch model it's going to output 4K it's going to have DLSS like there's all this stuff coming up uh, going on with it and then you know the the actual announcement was this my my big takeaway just because I don't have anywhere else to put it so I'm going to put it This podcast is essentially like the Nintendo Switch during the pandemic sold better than it did in its first year, which is like not a thing that usually happens for video game consoles. Like it did, yeah, maybe not exactly that, or like maybe not that good, but like it had a bump, which is not a thing that usually happens to consoles that it does better, you know, years after it comes out. To me, it tracks that there would be kind of a more iterative update. And if a lot of people are going out and buying a switch for the first time right now, having a model that's like slightly better for just like bizarre reasons, that's $50 more just means that every once in a while, Nintendo is going to make $50 more than they would have before. <laughs> and that's kind of my thought on it. I I, yeah. I did listen to the new besties episode uh, cause you had mentioned it. And I, I think there was a, a thought there that like the Silicon shortage means that they had finished the, like the, the um, shell for the new Switch, but they don't have the silicon to power it yet, which like, I could see that because it, it looks great. I mean, it looks really cool. The screen being yeah. bigger and and OLED, I think, is actually going to make a huge difference. Um, and there are people like me who will probably upgrade just because like, having OLED on a Switch will actually probably make me want to play handheld more because that screen is going to look so good, especially at the size that it's at. Because like, I think the OLED, if you're not a person who owns like a multi-thousand dollar OLED TV... Uh, which is most, I would imagine, your your relationship with OLED probably comes through your smartphone, which is like a pretty small screen by comparison to what is going to be on the switch. I think having a big ass seven inch OLED screen on that thing will make me want to play handheld more. So I'll probably check it out. I'll probably get that thing. If I'm being honest,
1: I'm relieved that I will not be like, honestly, that's the other other half of this. Yeah. My big worry. And I I totally understand why you are. And honestly, the biggest selling point for me, which I don't really need anymore because I had the adapter, but having a built-in ethernet plug was like, Oh, Nintendo recognizes that online exists. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Uh, My worry was like, okay, I just bought a PS five. I don't really have the money to like upgrade a switch nor do i really want to that's not like why i play the switch like obviously yeah. it's like a cool thing but i was worried that it would be like okay eventually i have to get nintendo another three four hundred dollars to play the games because now splatoon 3 is an oled only game uh which now it doesn't seem to be the case it seems to be that like that update exists if you want it and if not you can keep playing normal switch and not be like left out which yeah. is honestly kind of ideal uh, i think for, too for me at least yeah
0: i i I'm going to be honest, like, I I feel like you're going to groan when I say this, but I do think (laughs) that there's still a new switch coming, like, as soon as next year. I I don't, I don't think that Bloomberg's reporting was wrong. I think the timing was just off because this Mm. is like this is the Nintendo that did release like 45 different versions of the Game Boy and the DS and like (laughs) that's true. I I think released. uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. There was a there was a version of the DS that they released like three months before announcing the new 3DS. Like that's the that's the company that this is, you know, like this is their track record. So I, I won't be surprised if like next year or the end of next year there is a new switch. But for now for people who don't have a switch, like the OLED model, like totally make like just go get the OLED model. It's gonna be great. E- Honestly, even just the the better kickstand is like enough reason to spend the <laughs> extra fifty dollars, if I'm being completely honest. The, one of the main reasons I don't play handheld that much is because the kickstand is so bad that I can't even prop it up on my bed, which like bums me out. Like if I'm lying down in bed and I want to like put the switch at the end of the bed, the kickstand doesn't work. And having a better one will make me play handheld mode. I more. maybe
1: use the kickstand once and every time I use it, I have to- to watch a weird YouTube video on how to open the kickstand because it's like it's not
0: easy it's not easy Just, why yeah. is it so difficult <laughs> it's so bizarre why they put the SD card in there also <laughs> that's weirdly exposed that's a strange place for it there's so much weird shit going on that's the the thing too
1: is like i i finally had like a big sd card in my switch i don't want like the the process of switching all that over and losing all my screenshots like i don't want that Uh, at the expense of like slightly better graphics like i don't need that at all i think you're right though i mean the switch has now been out for four years it came out kind of like in between generations so it's a little bit yeah of like a uh iambic pentameter of like video game console generations (laughs) yeah though i feel like in a year or two it will be like okay if there is a new switch coming out it will be like that is the new console cuz it, it would have been a, enough time that you that's think it'll like, be like a switch 2 pretty much i think so i mean i think that the switch has been so successful i imagine that it will be backwards compatible but i think it will be a like ds3ds scenario where like it will be like new games coming out for it will be for that at least that's like my line of thinking where if they're going to do an update 5 6 years in it's probably going to be like a new system
0: but who knows not, not to get like too speculative and like out there in, in, in this like show that's usually not about news. But my 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 thought is like if the switch is selling better this year than it did last year. I, I don't think I'd want to fragment that audience in any way. Like, I th- I would probably want... Oh, yeah,
1: I don't want that either. I'm just guessing what Nintendo would do. But who knows? It's it's a fool's errand. Which yeah. is
0: always, uh, yeah, as we say constantly, is fucking nonsense. Like, yeah. no way of ever knowing what they're going to do. Like, they could just release the <laughs> Wii U again next year. What the fuck, man? Um, but yeah. I I could see a situation, it, <laughs> without getting too technical, like, the, the thing about DLSS that I think is exciting is that it's not requiring a whole lot on the side of the developer to like prepare for DLSS as much as it is just like having better technology in the switch and the dock itself that's going to port stuff up to 4K. Like I could see a situation in which developers are just told like keep keep optimizing your shit for 1080p and 720p in in handheld mode and the switch will take care of the rest. Like being able to say that to developers is like a dream scenario I have to imagine compared yeah. to you know what was going on in like the PS4 and PS5 era even now. You know you have to take advantage of this hard drive you have to take advantage of this and this and this like just being like no no no, the switch the switch will handle it the switch pro will will handle all of the like up resing to 4k and whatever that sounds very nice and i think would allow the same games to work on both the switch we have now and whatever that new thing is it just seems like a weird golden ticket to like a new generation without really needing to do a whole lot on the side of the developer which means all that support stays and also like goes and makes old games look better which is even cooler
1: yeah that'd be cool if it exists i i have no idea You're you're the one who's savvy with news and
0: and predictions like i i i will
1: see it when (laughs) it happens
0: i i think i think my big thing is just like i don't think that the oled i've seen some people say that the oled model is what everyone thought the new switch was going to be and i don't think that's the case i think this is just like a, a real iterative like we've just kind of refined it a little bit you know it's like the Wii to the Wii Mini kind of upgrade or the SP I guess yeah yeah Game Boy to Game Boy Advance to SP was there a Wii Mini to micro yeah there was a Wii Mini it was red
1: what what yeah
0: hold on you just blew my mind wow this looks great yeah I want a Wii Mini yeah it's
1: $566 on Walmart (laughs) (laughs) comes with something it
0: comes with Mario Kart Wii that's nice the best one that's a pretty good one Uh, I don't want this. I'm going to close this tab. That's how I feel about the the Game Boy Advance Micro, which is like, I think, just a beautiful piece of technology that I would never, ever, ever want to play a video game on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I think you're right, though. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I imagine, you know, if Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever it's going to be called comes out next year, I wonder if they'll continue the trend of Zelda being like on both and that's sort of like yeah the like the soft launch title for whatever the
0: new switch is yeah it's always the thing yeah always the thing it has been
1: I guess since yeah since the GameCube and the Wii yeah it's always been the thing
0: yeah wow I do like that the the OLED switch model is like this kind of white and black kind of apple-y looking thing uh, coming out the same day as Metroid Dread which like it just kind of looks like the the Emmy villain that you're fighting in Metroid Dread (laughs) (laughs) just like an unofficial Metroid Dread uh, version of the switch Uh, I Like
1: how uh, the Shika tablet kind of resembles the Switch in Breath of the Wilds, and now it's become it started off as like the Omni tool, and now it's the villain. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> the Switch has become the villain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, what else do we have in this? In this? That was it. That was baby, it. that was it.
0: Yeah. Was I just. I, I just wanted to touch on the OLED model because uh, I just think it's fascinating. I, I, I will probably end up getting one, although it's going to be hard for me to give up my uh, Animal Crossing Switch. Yeah
1: yeah that's that's the one if you ask me yeah if i'm, be if I'm honest. being honest
0: but uh but my partner has the switch Lite, and we've been talking about upgrading her to a regular switch so oh perfect kind of makes sense um because there are a lot of instances in which like she has a game that we're playing and it's like oh man wish we could put this on the tv pikmin 3 great example like would love yeah. to be playing pikmin 3 deluxe but uh she has it on her switch Lite, so we can't play it multiplayer yet
1: gotcha oh it's a digital copy
0: yeah gotcha i see part of my part of my reasoning that's the thing there's gonna be reasons for people to upgrade and and the way that nintendo and apple and fucking every company on on the planet that makes hardware works is like releasing an oled model of the switch means that some people like me who know that it stands for organic light emitting diode will upgrade (laughs) to it which means that we're now releasing more and more like Pre-owned switches into the world, which just like raises the uh, amount of people who could potentially buy shit on the eShop like it all works for Nintendo, even if I sell my Animal Crossing switch secondhand or my partner switch light that just creates another potential eShop customer for Nintendo like it's all good for them. So yeah, why not do this every once in a while? I guess it, it, it makes sense from a business standpoint. Totally. Yeah, I think so. All right, let's talk about Scarlet Nexus. I'm tired of talking about stocks and bonds and taxes and, and bull markets and Bitcoin and NFTs. I want to talk about <laughs> brain punk. <laughs> I'm sorry if my
1: eyes kind of glazed over, like I, I'm back in middle school a math class, just like dreaming about Scarlet Nexus numbers, 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 logic, reason, numbers, left brain, left brain, left brain. Uh, thanks for nothing. Oh, let's see you in hell. Let's move on. Brendan, I heard you got brain punk over the week, and I want to hear all about it.
0: I'm so fucking brain punk right now, man. <laughs> Dude, Tell me about it. I, I I I gotta be honest to you. I yeah. I think you might have undersold this game last really? week. Really? I this. Has blown me the fuck away Like yeah. I Just based on what you said last week Obviously I, I mentioned it in the episode Convince me to buy it In the episode I want to be very clear yeah. Like we talk about this a lot Like please do not feel pressured To buy a thing Because we talk about it on the show But I feel like there is a There's a thing between you and me Specifically Steven and Brendan yeah. Where every once in a while One of us will play a game That the other person will clearly love And it's It's a soft pitch to that person Yeah um, And that's yeah. That's very much what was happening Last week I didn't expect to like it As much as I did do. I expected to like enjoy it, but to not be like enamored with it and only be wanting to play it. Th- this game fucking rules, man. I had seen some like, you know, I, I saw the trailers when they announced it. I-, I watched some reviews and stuff, but really getting your hands on it and feeling the flow of combat and like locking into it is a completely different thing than when you're just watching a video of it online, which I I that's the thing that surprised me the most. Um, So I guess just to take a quick step back, if this is your first ever episode of Into the Aether or whatever, if you didn't listen to last week's Scarlet Nexus, it's a uh, game about a group of people who uh, work for uh, the other suppression force, I think, yeah. right? Uh, the OSF. They're, they're
1: X-Men, basically. They're essentially
0: X-Men. Everybody has their own like version of a psychic power. There are two main protagonists that you get to choose from at the beginning of the game you could play as either of them all the way through their story and then start the next person's story um so you get like two halves of a story from you know two different perspectives who have very different uh, outlooks on life which is very interesting each of them have their own crew with their own like x-men superpowers thrown in there you and i are playing as different protagonists which is very interesting and there's a very strong focus on like real-time action combat not not in a like kind of bayonetta, you know, like button mashy way, uh, which is I think what I was expecting going into this. I I yeah. thought that this was going to be a very kind of like mindless kind of like hack and slash experience. Weirdly,
1: it's more like FF Seven remake in that way, where it's yeah. like you got to yeah. be specific about the moves.
0: Great comparison. That's the thing. Yeah, there's so, even the Sekiro tension bar. Yeah. The thing that surprised me most is that there's a very specific weight to your character. There's like a very specific weight to the combat and it makes it feel stilted at first. It makes it feel like... It makes it feel a little bit too heavy and a little bit too imparsible in the beginning. And it's also when they're just like bombarding you with tutorials. And there's like all these wild button combos. Like just to be clear, there's everything that you do with with the buttons on the controller. And then there's like a whole second set of things that you can do if you hold the R1 button. Like it's it's a lot to take in and I thought that it was too daunting and I thought that I wasn't going to be able to get into it for like a good two hours and then at a certain point it all clicked and I had this aha moment where like all of the combat the weight of the characters the button combos I needed to press the different abilities that my teammates had all just like coalesced in this version of a game that I didn't think was like buried beneath the surface it it feels phenomenal once you yeah. like lock into how the combat works it becomes like trance
1: like almost yes. between the 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 music and the characters banter and like eventually like you said you'll get you'll get enough knowledge that you'll be like, okay i know how to defeat this specific enemy yes what to do and like it's kind of up to you how to like stylize that Like there's enough wiggle room that you can be creative with like what powers you link up all your party mates have their own unique abilities so like in my crew there's a girl who can go super fast there's a guy with lightning i can duplicate myself and you can have eventually up to two powers active at the same time and again i think something i said last week was like like you just mentioned the game feels kind of stiff at first but once you get a few more abilities it really takes off and i think the fact that they kind of slowly give you more throughout the game prevents it from feeling daunting because i think yes. getting like i'm at a point where my bond levels are high enough with characters that like They'll just ask to be summoned, almost like persona, and I hit two <laughs> buttons, and they like do a, a flashy move, and then it goes back to me. It's amazing. That rules, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on my end, like I pitched this game pretty strongly. I said I was really liking it, but I had a lot of caveats, which, which still stand. Like the caveats I mentioned about the stories, pacing, and really that was the big thing. Was like I was really enjoying the world and the characters, but, like, the game kind of goes from zero to 60, like, pretty early on. Yeah, man. What I'll say about the story, and again, I haven't finished it yet, so... Maybe there's still room for the ending to be like whack. Like, (laughs) there's there's still room for them. I'm more confident they'll stick the landing. And the story is still a lot of big swings, but it's working significantly better. The thing that I've realized about the main plot is that everything happens for a reason that is eventually explained, but the order in which things happen and when they're explained are like bananas. Yes. Like, you really. This script needed like another couple drafts. And I think the the irony is that everything there, for me at least, works like conceptually. Like all the ideas that are at play are good it's just a matter of when they're executed and how well that lands based on how invested you are like this the scene that I think everyone who criticizes or has talked about the game has pointed to is like no spoilers but there's a big scene on a bridge that happens like hour three that like is a complete miss for everyone like even if you love this game as much as you and I do that scene like should not have happened basically yeah, because like I think it feels and again I can't speak to the creative process and I'm really not trying to be too mean because I do love this game And I actually am enjoying the story, and I'll explain why in a bit. But it feels like in the inception of this game, there's clearly a lot of excitement behind this game. It's a new IP. There's even like an anime alongside the game coming out. Like There's a lot of brain punk energy happening this summer, okay? But it feels like the writers really wanted, like, in thinking and brainstorming this game, uh, there were ideas they wanted to happen, scenes they wanted to happen before they had written it. So yeah. it feels like these these moments are kind of forced in early on. And then the story develops and kind of goes in a different direction. And it's like, well, why did that even happen then? Because that did not pay off in the way they wanted it to. Yes. But that being said... At least on Kasane's side of it, the story is much more focused in the latter half of the game. Again, it's still out there and there's still a lot of like twists and reveals, but like it's working way more. I think solely because I'm so much more invested in the characters mm-hmm. and to see how their relationships grow and change throughout the course of the game. It's really well done. You know, I mean, there there's a bit of a disconnect between the downtime and the active missions. Like it's making me respect the writing for Three Houses even more because this is so hard Hard to pull off, you know. This like downtime persona beats mixed with high stakes kind of Evangelion esque action. It's a hard balance to strike, and it mostly does it, but it always feels like the downtime is so chill, and the and the story is so high stakes that it's a little bit like confusing in moments yeah whereas in three houses like even though you know it could potentially be jarring to have like these funny lighthearted scenes between characters and then go to war you can tell how that's affecting all the characters in the moments you have with them in the monastery
0: right whereas in in this in this game in between uh like big huge story beat missions where everybody gets the shit kicked out of them you all like regroup at the hideout and then you like talk about your favorite like kind of soup it's like (laughs) that's a like there's no real discussion about the stuff that's actually happening plot wise it eventually
1: happens but it feels a little too late which yeah. again
0: I think it eventually sticks the
1: landing and I think that those beats help and I've been enjoying like I think really what the heart of the story is becoming for me is like I think Asane is an incredible lead Like she's a really good protagonist mm. and her arc of like it reminds me a little bit of Cloud in FF7 and it's it's familiar stuff but seeing a character who has sort of a mysterious Past that is putting up this wall around them, slowly break that down and realize like connecting with people literally is like a good thing and valuing who they have in their life. It's a really powerful thing when done well. And seeing Kasane kind of slowly open up and like, you know, it's corny, but like I like that the combat you get better the more you're linked up with your teammates. Yeah. And like you literally like the group succeeds because they recognize that like these connections they've made are like their key to just saving the world. Right. And I, and weirdly, I feel like that's kind of like remove all the jargon and plot twists. Like the heart of the game is really like about connections with people and like, you know, how you manage those relationships in face of trauma, at yeah. least Kasana's end is. And like that, that is really working for me. Again, it sounds corny and it sounds kind of simplistic, but I feel like in a game that is so full of like almost 13 Sentinels level twists and concepts like to have the heart of the experience really just be that simple and that kind of positive is like working very well for me in yeah. the final beats of the story.
0: It's interesting. I, I won't go too in depth, obviously, because I don't want to spoil it for you or, yeah. or, or your listener, but it's interesting playing from Yuito's end because his the like main crux of his story, as far as I've played, I'm about like halfway through his his story yeah. at this point. The main crux of his story is who is Kasane, which is very interesting. And I'm wondering mm. what that's gonna be like for you having played through that yeah, through that story. Because you will just know the answer from go potentially but on my end it's like he's trying to figure out who she is where she came from uh, he, he has an interesting past with her that I don't want to get into uh, for story reasons but like he's trying to figure out her whole deal and every time the two of you meet up it immediately turns into combat uh, yeah. it immediately <laughs> becomes like Kasane just really fucking wants to kill Yuito and he's just screaming like please 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 stop trying to fight me I just want to have a conversation with you please and she's like no 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 I'm gonna put a bunch of uh, brain wires in my head and I'm gonna beat the shit out of you for a full 45 <laughs> five minutes um, and then runs off. And like, that's how it happens. It's happened. I don't know, three or four times so far where I'm at in the game. And I know that you're playing the opposite end of that. I know that you're going into it, like knowing her reasoning behind it probably. And like having those conversations in the hideout, Uh, where you're like you know like I'm gonna go beat the shit out of this kid but I'm just on the, the other end of it like completely clueless and that's been one of the more interesting things about Yuito's story is that I have no fucking clue what's going on in this game whatsoever and that's because Yuito has no fucking clue what's going on in this game he he is like the son of the guy who like runs the fucking government uh his older brother is like one of the highest ranking officials in the OSF and there are a lot of expectations for him and he's been like essentially Groomed by the government and and This military force this like Brain psychic military x-men Force to just kind of accept Everything so his like first Day on the job shit goes Really off the rails and ends with That bridge scene that you were talking about where like Essentially again without getting Too into it it's just like the whole like the Whole like society just collapses Pretty much yeah. you know and he's just Thrust into this place of like trying to Figure out why like just trying to figure out What happened and is getting no real Answers from anyone because all the people he's having conversations with are all people who know everything and assume that he does and are just like throwing out these like big concepts and big ideas and it's all going over his head, which means it's all go- going over my head as well. I've had like not a single moment where I've really been able to grasp what's going on in this video game, and that's been kind of like fun in a weird way because it yeah. allows me to just kind of like weave in and out of these cutscenes and like not really understand what's happening at all, but just like be kind of enamored by these characters that I really like and then. In between, I get to go back to the combat, which is the thing that's like really pulling me through yeah, the, game. The, like the game.
1: Yeah, that's the star of the game. Yeah,
0: it really is. And like as uh, I agree with you that you know there's like a heart and, and a vibe and a tone to this story that I think is like compelling but the combat is the thing that's pulling me through it and it's the thing that's gonna pull me through the rest of the game I think as well is just like I just think it's a blast I mean it it feels the way I always want like anime games to feel like any game right. that has an art style that looks like this I want it to feel like this. it feels so fucking cool to do anything like yeah and, and just to be clear about the differences between Kasane and Yuito from a combat perspective Kasane is more like kind of like mid-range and then ranged fighting. Yuito is all up close it's all like up close melee shit so it's all about you like running up to a dude whacking them with your sword a whole bunch and then pressing the R2 button which activates your like psychic power to like jump back three meters in the air and then like lift a bus off the ground and drop it on their head and then like jump back in and then whack them with a sword while they're like dazed because they just got hit with a fucking bus like it rips (laughs) the whole time it's so fun and I get into every like bit of combat I possibly can even in the like hideout sequences where you're not supposed, like you're pretty much just supposed to be like hanging out with your party mates. I will go back to the area I just finished just so I can keep fighting like monsters on that level because I just think it's really fun. But yeah. in those in between sequences, you get to have conversations with these people, which are like, "What's your favorite soup?" But it's still like they did a really great job creating these characters. I think these characters yeah. are really great. Like on my on my team, I have uh a girl who has like fire like pyro abilities yeah. who uh, like grew up with yuito and they've been like friends forever and like haven't seen each other for a while and like are like like rekindling this friendship there's like an adult man who like I, I won't get into the whole like deal with like why some people are adults and some people are kids in this game i think it's very strange um but there's like this adult man who like was completely brainwashed by osf and is like kind of coming to terms with some shit that's going on um and you're like walking him through that and i think that's a very interesting storyline. Um, and and his whole thing is that he becomes indestructible, essentially. You could just at any point... Uh, use his power and turn on invincibility for a little bit, and that is real fun during boss fights. Yeah,
1: it's really good, yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, I have this other girl who's clairvoyant, which means you can, like, see invisible uh, enemies, uh, and, and if enemies go invisible, you can, like, use clairvoyance, but it also allows you to have, like, a better perfect dodge window, so if something's coming at you, uh, like, the, the window to dodge it and get in, like, a few attacks or, like, psychic attacks or whatever uh, is increased, which is really great, Um, and I just got somebody who's able to teleport, which is, like, fucking bananas, yeah. like, like, yeah. really fun shit. And all of those characters are great. Like, I really like hanging out with all of them. The, the big, like faux pas that this game pulls for me is that there's a lot of dialogue during combat and like I just have a hard time focusing on it because I, because the combat actually takes a lot of focus and energy. Yeah um, I, I would agree with that yeah. And if you, if you go out during the like hideout sequences and go fight stuff just for fun there are like extra bits of dialogue that are happening and, and extra like connections that these characters are forming and bonds and whatever um, and it only happens when you're fighting. It doesn't happen during downtime which is the thing that like drives me up Wall It's like I would love if when I'm Walking from fight to fight there's a conversation Happening but it always starts While I'm in combat um yeah i think it does both
1: but you're right it's more often during combat because it's like they're communicating telepathically yes sometimes it's just fun like uh oh good job or, like they're cheering for you like that all works but oh, i think yeah, you're totally. right like the the precious bits of like downtime lore are kind of wasted when i'm like shoving a light bulb on a demon into the floor you yeah know, i'm like bu- i'm busy don't brain message me while i'm fighting thanks. yeah exactly
0: it's yeah. it's wild yeah but all that said like the whole package of this game though a little bit uneven is like so extremely ambitious in ways that I am really getting behind like, that's the
1: thing it's like this, this should have been a complete mess <laughs> and it is like it is still messy but like like you said like the elements that are good are like like the combat is I think is great like it's it's truly like objectively great yeah. I hate using the phrase objectively but like for what it's trying to pull off it is doing an incredible job and the story is like at, at worst intriguing and at best like, oh wow, this is actually working. Yeah. Um and I think it's it's really held by a good cast that like you unfortunately don't really get to know super well until like halfway through. It takes a long time. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they also switch up like who's in your crew. So you don't even really know like Who's in your crew? Like Azubito until hour five? Yeah, they're giving I just you got a to a point actually. A, like, yeah. so
0: I, I'm like just over the halfway point, um, and I just got to a point where I like found Kasane and her crew again, and then we just had like a big fucking fight, and then as soon as it was over, it started another hideout sequence, and I got like a brain text from somebody on your crew who was like, "Hey, you want to just hang out? Like, <laughs> like yeah, sorry we had the
1: fight. You want to just like chill?" <laughs> that's simultaneously the weirdest thing, but every now and then I actually really enjoy those scenes. So like. Kasane also gets, I get bond scenes with Yuito's crew in like the thick of their tension. Wild. Yeah. And there's actually a cool moment where I went to the diner with the fire girl. Oh, cool. Hanabi. And uh, she, you know, like you said, childhood friend of Yuito and Kasane is like, hey, like we're friends. Uh, I don't want to have to fight you. Can you just like give me information about Uitto, like where he is, so I can like kill him more easily?
0: <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, "No, what? How
1: would, why would you like? It's so you know, and it's like interesting. I think." The reason that's not complete nonsense is that, like, Kasane is keeping a lot from both those, like, friends from afar that are, like, becoming yeah. potential adversaries. And she's also keeping a lot from her friends that she's with. And And I don't want to spoil it, but there's a really great scene that I, like, really was surprised by where um, Shiden, who's kind of the Felix, who's, like, the annoying rival, but secretly cares. You oh, know, he's the one with the glasses?
0: Who has the electric powers? Such oh, a piece of shit, but I love that him. guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. He's a lot. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, he has a great moment where he's like, Kasane, just fucking tell us what's happening. Yeah. They're all, they like sit her down and they're like, cause I think what makes Kasane a great character is that she has no filter But she also like does feel a lot when people respond to what she says. So Mm -hmm. like she's not like, I don't care. I don't care how you feel like she definitely is empathetic, even though she doesn't really have great communication. Yeah. So when like there's a point where where the whole team, uh, my team is uh, Shiden, who's the rival with glasses, who has electricity. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's Kyoko, who's like the worried mom of the group. And then uh, Arashi, who's my favorite, super fast celebrity with a chainsaw and also a hacker. What's not to like? Yeah, great vibe. And then Kagero, who is the like bad boy who can turn invisible, yeah. um, he surprisingly has had my favorite story so far. I went from like being like, "Who is this like tropey asshole?" to being like, "This guy is fascinating."
0: That's interesting because he st- he starts off on Yuito's crew in the beginning of the yeah. game, um, and you learn a little bit about his backstory. And I was like fascinated by it, and I was so yeah. excited to see how it paid off, and then found out that he just bailed. <laughs> <laughs> he, went- he went with. I think that's
1: the game's way yeah. of like giving you a little intrigue to playing the other characters. Yes. Because yes. I had this, like, uh, the clairvoyant girl and Hanabi were both, like, on Kasane's team. In their bonds, Kasane is like, really friendly with them. Like, mm. uncharacteristically, like, I love you too. You should join my squad instead. And they're like, no. Yeah. We chose a new Ito. But anyway, uh, there's a scene where, like, all of them sit Kasane down. And they're like t- They're like, we're your friends. Tell us what's happening. We've trusted you as a leader so far, but we're not going to keep following you blindly until you fill us in with what's going on with you. Mm. And it really is, like... Even though it's like, you know, filled with plot beats and exposition, it really is like the game's way being like, Kasane is someone who is struggling to like maintain relationships. And these are a group of people who are like, we're your friends. We're here for you. Let us help you. Yeah. It's a two way street. And the way that conversation plays out and, and she keeps apologizing, which I weirdly resonated with because I'm someone who like defaults to apologizing constantly. And for to have this like very tough badass protagonist like kind of be vulnerable and like apologize and have her friends be like don't apologize like thank us instead because that's like gonna keep us going i loved it i was like blown away by it again it sounds so corny but when you're in the thick of it amidst like people turning into houses and shit like this is a great <laughs> emotionally resonant scene yeah. that like was oddly i think the game really like sticks to the landing in the in the like low stakes moments you know, like finding out a little bit of lore about the world, how like not everyone has powers and they're called duds. Like the world itself is fascinating. So I think that the game's purpose of like setting up a new IP, they they nailed it. Like I would love, you know, even if this game is is not hitting a 10 in all areas, which again, no numeric scores here. But like, you know, even if some parts are stronger than others and the story is a little bit uneven, like I am so invested in seeing more from a series that has this kind of combat and this kind of setting with this kind of cast yeah and as far as I'm concerned that's like the three most important things
0: yeah I'm I'm very with you that it's the smaller stuff that really resonates with me more because a lot of yeah. the bigger plot beats that I've experienced so far at least on Yuito's end are like very paint by numbers like ve- yeah like, right like you know every, every time there's like a big reveal it's like you, you just like stuck your hand into a hat you know with a bunch of folded up pieces of paper <laughs> of like other big <laughs> reveals and other right. stories like this that I've seen yeah. before and I think it's a testament to how strong the character writing is and, and how incredible the actual gameplay is. Yes. Um, I also just want to mention, I, I don't I don't know if this was going to come up naturally, so I'm just going to bring it up very unnaturally. I'm fucking obsessed with the save guy.
1: Yes, he's he's amazing. Satori
0: the Archivist. Can can we talk about him for
1: just a second? Please. I'm hoping there's a secret third path where you play as Kasana and you that you could just play as him waiting. <laughs> that would be like my dream.
0: <laughs> okay, so there's this guy. His name is Satori the Archivist. Wait, do you have a different one? No, it's the same one, I believe. Oh, I okay. believe.
1: I believe. But, okay. uh... I imagine they function the same regardless. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, at least on my end, um, there, there's a guy name is Satori the Archivist, and he is a specific OSF kind of like a troop whose job it is to just write down everything that happens, and he's essentially like how you go save. And he's this guy wearing this like all yellow armor. Uh, you know, it covers his face and everything. And he just constantly sends you brain texts, like all the time. And there's a moment when like, Shit hits the fan and the OSF is like, you know, not really as much of a thing. Even like the government starts to collapse and whatever. And he has this like big like emotional moment where he sends you just like paragraphs about like I was ra- born and raised to do one thing and that's to archive and by god I'm going to archive your life even if it's no longer my like you know my government mandated quest like I feel it within my bones that I'm going to need to do this forever and you and I are linked uh but also don't fucking talk to me cuz I'm not allowed to talk to you <laughs> which I love the whole the whole deal is he has a psychic power where if you lock eyes he can read very specific pieces of your mind to write it down which is like you know the the diegetic way of explaining how you're saving the game um, but I just love that he's like don't fucking talk to me but I love you and I'm going to keep recording your life <laughs> <laughs> see my I want I'm I'm wondering now I might
1: want to pull up the game to see if it's the same character my character has been the save point guy has been more like I am the wind like I am like just to remind you I'm not really here yeah uh, and say so like cryptic stuff I imagine it's the same but yeah he I love games that creatively utilize the save point yeah for some reason like the Me frogs too. and mother three and the, the benches and final fantasy seven remake and and this this character is like unbelievable
0: yeah um big fan and- of the, i've really like honestly again talking about the three houses influence three houses summer baby yeah. um but talking about the three houses influence i mean this is just uh the the gatekeeper you know like this, yeah. this is the gatekeeper <laughs> of this game
1: yeah it's the Rose- He's the Rosencrantz without a Guildenstern.
0: He's just waiting <laughs> by himself, saving. Yeah. He also runs the shop, which I love. It, like he runs oh, a sh- yeah. and, and I, his explanation for running the shop too is like, this is just a hobby of mine. <laughs> 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 so you can buy some stuff if you want, but like this is not why I'm here.
1: It's also funny because he's like in your hideout, like direct, like he's like directly present and yeah. doesn't seem to interact with anyone. I also love like when you give people gifts, uh, special gifts, they'll start interacting with in the hideout and it becomes more and more decorated. Yes. As you give people cool. more stuff. So like, you know, Shiden, if you give a duster, he just starts doing chores. Um, <laughs> what's really interesting, and this is another like kind of interesting piece of lore about the world is... Arashi is like the hacker, but everything is augmented reality. But she specifically loves like old PC hardware. And it's like, oh, wow, that specific idea of this game sci-fi I feel like is like a potential reality where like if we were to move towards a more augmented reality world like physical hardware would become a novelty mm-hmm. it's already kind of the case of certain things yeah, but it's, it's not like, like you know It is that that specific view of the future I thought was like very fascinating and again was a very understated moment where she's like I know I can do this faster you know via the neural net but I like typing I like the physical act of like doing this. That's great yeah um, I love that I also really think it's it's kind of an optimistic take on an otherwise grim genre where there's this reality in which everyone's mind is linked up to a like government surveyed internet source yeah that's like clearly not a good idea and even when like i really love eventually you might be just here but eventually you can like go into a place called the brain fields where it's like your ultimate limit break where over time it, it builds up where if you hit l3 and r3 you like get you get like attached into the matrix and like scream and then the whole arena changes and the music changes and you become like really powerful like throwing things telekinetically is a free action and what i love is kasane who's like usually very cool and with it just starts like laughing maniacally and she's like i'm so powerful like it's really like it feels like when uh Tetsuo gets his powers in Akira and you're like yeah. this is not good for him. This is a bad idea. Uh,
0: exact same thing with Yuito when Yuito yeah. like, turns it on it like gets real bad for him, yeah.
1: But but the optimism I was mentioning so like obviously there's something fishy with this whole system. Yeah. But the fact that like humanity can turn it around by recognizing like the immediacy in which it connects them with other people and what they can do within that is, is I think kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, it's almost kind of like Death Stranding where it's like, there's this thing that is like hoisted upon the world that is essentially the internet. But you know, like (laughs) there's obviously some more stuff going on and it's like, is the internet an inherent good or bad? And the answer is like the inception of it was probably, uh, uh, at least in this world, was a bad idea. But even within that, humanity is still capable of doing good if they, like, work together, which, again, is corny,
0: but it's working for me. It's a good video game. (laughs) It's a good video game, man. I I am very pleasantly surprised by it. Um, Yeah, it
1: really gets better, too, because, again, that slow drip of more powers keeps the combat fresh, and you just end up caring more about the story. I mean, it might be, like, a version of Stockholm Syndrome at this point, but I do think, like, there's (laughs) enough working that I am enjoying it and again you know the the games it's pulling from in terms of Persona and Three Houses like it's not going to be on that level but it is in moments like it really like there are characters that I feel like I have a very firm grasp on like who they are and also characters like Kagero who just have like a wild story that I think is like
0: he could have been the protagonist in a different game and like that would have worked that was the vibe I got from my very brief interaction with him was like there is so much story just in the couple sentences of of uh. Backdrop I've gotten from this dude but I like can't wait to learn more, and then of course he got ripped away from me. Um, what is
1: funny though is like in terms of like how well the other perspective is doing. I think it's working solely because the rest of the game is so good. I want to just play it again with like a- anything fresh. Yeah, but I think it is funny every now and then. Like you'll meet up with a character and they're like, "Oh yeah, I didn't tell you about how my dad is from Pluto." It's like <laughs> they'll suddenly like drop
0: something yeah. on you
1: where it's like, "This is so funny." Yeah, that but it, that version yeah.
0: of exposition like always rubs me the wrong way um it's not but, good yeah yeah but again there's
1: enough there's more succeeding that like at the end of the day it, it sticks the landing it's like oh this is a great game it sticks I, up on you
0: yeah i i have a sneaking suspicion also that by the time we're done with our like perspective our, our, our characters routes and then go back and play through it a second time some of the things that rubbed us the wrong way the first time might actually work the second time I, have, I think you're right. I have a sneaking suspicion that that bridge sequence is actually going to be better the second time and we'll be like oh shit that is actually interesting
1: yeah yeah I mean it's the
0: context that you would need
1: I, I guess I'm curious to see like if I end up liking one better or if I feel like oh you should have started with Ubito or vice versa I haven't really seen a consensus based on like the game has only been out for so long I don't know anyone who's like done both yet but I'm curious how that how I'll feel about that by the end yeah. it seems like at least with Yuito's story like that you're on the same page as him which is kind of interesting yeah whereas Kasane I think is a little bit more informed but of course like we're in the dark about certain things but uh I wonder then if it's like oh they wanted you to play Yuito first but hey they gave us the choice follow your heart
0: yeah I mean it, it sounds it sounds like both directions are very interesting um and, and I have a sneaking. I, I I have a thought That potentially, you know, it's not a who do you start with first, but just like, did you finish both or not? Um, right. That, that's right. that's my thought is like, I, I have a feeling that by the time we're done with both stories, regardless of the order you do them in, having done both will illuminate the larger thing that they're trying to accomplish here. And I think that that might be really rewarding. Um, yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting. At least
1: there are scenes where specifically the protagonists will be alone that I'm very like they are announced in a way where I'm like, I can't wait to see the Yuito alone scene here. Mm-hmm. And like knowing the Kasane alone scenes, I'm like, I'm excited for a you to a player to get to this point cuz i yeah. think it's going to be like a cool reveal yeah um so again this is so hard to do and the fact that it's like as successful as it is it's i think it's worth it's worthy of praise even yeah. in the clunkier moments
0: very surprised by scarlet nexus um brain punk man brain punk dude it, it yeah three houses summer brain punk summer
1: <laughs> i think i messaged you is brain punk the new jellicle and and uh we didn't have a firm answer
0: yeah but, but it might be i mean the fact that we didn't just immediately say no means that it might be yes <laughs> is the thing.
1: sneaks up on you yeah yeah uh is it time to wrap up i think so yeah um hey thank you so much for listening uh if you like the show the best way to help it grow it's to share it with a friend as you know or as you might know into the cast that online has our hub for everything uh, anything on the horizon
0: that we're excited about Dude, just so much man i mean <laughs> as i said like already this year there's like just so much great stuff um and yeah. it seems like july is just kind of like a gauntlet of more good stuff i mean the, oh, yeah. we talked about it right before we started recording but there's like three or four more games coming out in july that i'm like actually eagerly anticipating and then in august it all kind of backs off and i'm very very much looking forward to like having the time to actually you know like finish chicory finish mass effect uh legendary edition like just get through all these things that i've started and like actually really want to see through because there's a there's a thing that happens when you make a podcast like ours where you play a game for like five to ten hours talk about it on the show and then you never pick it up again it's like that was my time with it and there are so many games this year that like really 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 make me want to break that cycle Scarlet Nexus being one of them Mass Effect obviously is another one Chicory is another one like I just I want to get back yeah. to and finish a lot of these games um, so that's gonna be August for me
1: I'll usually determine like, okay is this is a game I need to finish or not and I yeah. feel like both Chicory and Scarlet Nexus I think you I think we should yeah uh, who knows though? maybe the ending will be like oops what a wacky dream I had. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, um uh and kasane both founded a starbucks across the street from one another
1: <laughs> how many of these places are there <laughs> oh my god across the street you throw like a, a latte psychically at the camera and in the starbucks logo it says like continue <laughs> ew anyway uh i believe for this month we're probably going to do a Scarlet Nexus
0: bonus just because like
1: it's in the scenario where I think we were thinking of doing Chrono Trigger,
0: which I think we'll definitely do. That is probably going to happen. I really do want to do it because I'm loving that game. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think I think we're maybe planning on doing that in September, potentially. Because next month we're going to do a bonus about the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, I I started, I like binged 1 and 2, as long as, uh, longtime listeners know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've pl- played it before. But I binged 1 and 2 in the Legendary Remaster. And I am like at the very beginning of 3. So I'll finish that next month. So those are the bonuses right now. Uh, are you streaming anything? Doing anything fun? Anything like
0: that? yes and no I'm like really mulling over uh doing that judgment playthrough in anticipation yeah. of lost judgment I, I still really want to do that I guess let me know via discord or twitter or whatever if you'd be interested in seeing a judgment playthrough uh cause that game is f- real good um yeah. and I and I only made it through I think like five or six hours the first time uh and I would like to play through the rest of it um cause I it seems like based on everything I've seen for lost judgment that it like maybe actually requires you having played the first one to get into it yeah um that makes sense yeah i want to see that through
1: cool yeah um that's i guess it uh oh patreon uh so for our bonus episode for patrons this month we're doing like a question centric episode we're gonna have a post soon on the patreon that will be like where to ask i guess and just sort of like you know where we'll pull questions from right yeah um you can also send them to us however you want but we'll make like a formal post on the patreon page uh back in the show at all puts you in financial strain please do not but by backing the show, you're helping us grow and you'll gain access to those monthly Patreon bonus episodes. Bonus. 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 Uh, it'll be nice to have a month where like after last month, it's like actually low key. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. You know, I'm enjoying the summer energy.
0: Yeah. I th- I, I'm, I'm looking forward to next month for that reason. Like, like I said already, I, I think I think next month is going to be like a very relaxed month for the Aether after uh, months and months of hard work. It'll be nice. Yeah. Finish a video game. And then,
1: uh, then it kind of ramps up again in October
0: with <laughs> with uh, Metroid Dread, right? And, and, and the, the Nintendo Switch season. OLED model.
1: <laughs> oh shit! There goes my calendar. <laughs> Look at all these perfect
0: pixels.
1: <laughs> 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 all right let's wrap it up all thank right. you all
0: so much for listening um thank you spent, uh, a bunch of people reached out last week uh, about our chicory discussion last week so just wanted to say thanks to people who did that oh yeah also. i'm glad that resonated but uh anyway that's it my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley
1: i'm Stephen hilger you can find me at Stephen hilger have a wonderful week have a great week i'm gonna go eat a cheeseburger i'm gonna uh find out what i want <laughs> i'm gonna look inward i don't look inward for once brain punk get a brain punk meal i don't have, I don't have a brain punk lunch goodbye